This podcast is sponsored by CarePlus Home Health. You just visited with mom and dad, and you notice that their age might finally be catching up with them. CarePlus is your perfect solution. Headquartered in Montgomery County, CarePlus provides affordable in-home care and nursing services all throughout Maryland and the District of Columbia. CarePlus offers a number of services to support your loved ones, including personal care, companionship, meal preparation, and so much more. They can help with running errands and managing doctor visits. They can take mom to the beauty salon or dad to a movie. And CarePlus specializes in Alzheimer's and dementia care. An experienced CarePlus caregiver is the best way to support mom and dad's needs, leaving your family with peace of mind. Call CarePlus today at 301-740-8870. Tell them you heard about this ad on a minor detailed podcast and you will receive a special discount. Call today at 301-740-8870 and check them out online at careplusinc.com. Today is October 19, 2019. I'm at the Rockville Memorial Library. My name is Ryan Miner. I host this podcast. It's a minor detailed podcast. Find me on the web at aminordetail.com where I cover Maryland news and politics. And of course, find me on the web at aminordetailpodcast.com where every episode of the podcast is featured. And staying with the series covering this Rockville City Council race, I have with me today Susan Pittman, who is running for the Rockville City Council. Susan and I are sitting in a quiet room, and it is certainly quiet throughout this library. Susan, thank you for doing this, and I believe this is your first podcast. This is my first podcast. Thank you, Ryan, for having me here today. Well, it's going to be fun. I tell every candidate to relax. This is so conversational. And it's not going to be like you're on with Chris Matthews on Hardball. Although I love Chris <laughs> Matthews, it's going to be, we're just going to have a conversation about what interests you. Okay. We're going to talk about you and your background and some of your policies and ideas for the city council. So let's start with telling me a little bit about yourself. Um, you're not originally from here. I am not. I, I am I not. I noticed a little Texas in you. A little bit. Uh, we moved here from just north of San Antonio back in 2013 from New Braunfels, Texas. And I say we, my husband and our son. My husband works for the FDA, and he had an opportunity to come to HQ up here in Maryland, and we took it. And it's been an amazing uh, thing. It really has been. It was life-changing for all three of us. So, San Antonio, were you born and raised? No, I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana. My family come wow. from, yes, and we all migrated, well, most of us, most of us migrated to Texas. So, that's that really was home um, until we got here. Louisiana is a state that I have never been to, no kidding, and my wife and I would love to go to Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. and I'd love to go down and see the Louisiana Bayou. I think it's a beautiful state. Now, I have to say, I'm not an LSU football fan. Oh, okay. okay. Well, okay. You don't hold that against I you. won't hold that against don't, you. Don't, please, I, I, I tend to root for, I, I kind of like Alabama. Oh, no. I know. I know. We're going to have a fight here. <laughs> it's going to be a brawl. People outside of the room are going to wonder what's going on. But, um, but down south, I, gotta, I, really, I really would imagine that Texas is a cool state to live in. I've been to Austin. I've been to Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Dallas. Dallas's airport, airport profoundly confuses me. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's bad. So moving from Texas mm-hmm. to Rockville, I imagine that is it was a 
which a huge change for you, obviously. It was. And my husband grew up in Philadelphia. So he said when when we were talking about moving, he said, I think you're really going to love it there. And you'll finally get to see leaves change. You'll get to see snow. And uh, it has not disappointed. We got here the first uh, the first year and it. We had, I don't know, eight or 10 inches of snow. It was awesome. Oh, it's 2013? Yes. Yeah, I remember that was a snowy year. It was a snowy year. Do you like the snow? Uh, I still like the snow. I have not gotten tired of the snow yet. People keep saying, oh, wait, <laughs> you will someday. But I, I don't know. I really enjoy it. It's beautiful. It's quiet and peaceful. It's there's good. A, there's a photograph on your website where you, you uh, in fact, I'm looking at it now, where you're shoveling out the neighbor's it's still snowing. My my husband and my son will snow while it is still snowing. They're insane, but they will, yes. So uh, did you go to school in Louisiana? I, I went to LSU for three years okay. and ended up transferring back to San Antonio and finished up at Incarnate Word College, which is now the University of the Incarnate Word. And so for the last several years, what have you been up to? Well, mostly I've been president of the East Rockville Civic Association. That's kept me very busy over the last, uh, well, I stepped down in, over the summer, but for about four and a half, five years, it kept me extremely busy. Is, is that the East Rockville Civic Association? Tell me about that. What did they do? So in, we're a neighbor, East Rockville is a neighborhood without a homeowners association. So the city allows for the creation of civic associations. And they, they have different titles. Twinbrook is a community association. You kind of name it what you want. But uh, you're a liaison with the city. So things that are essential to your neighborhood, I would go up to City Hall, make some phone calls, say, what gives with this? You know, we need some help with this. And sometimes they are very proactive, and they would come to me and say, we need to come talk to your neighborhood about this construction project or this change we're thinking about for zoning. So it was a, it was a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool gig, and honestly. I do. I have a senior at Rockville High School. How yeah. Is he looking at colleges already? He is. He is looking at colleges. He's has he settled? Uh, no, hasn't settled. He's his first choice is West Point, though. So it's been a pretty intense fall. And so getting ready for that. Looking, uh, obviously through that process, you'll get a congressional appointment. And have you reached out to the to Congressman Raskin? Yes, the application. I know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I know. <laughs> if you're listening, Mr. Raskin. Um, no. He, uh, that, that's all in. All that got turned in a couple of weeks ago. He's just waiting to hear about an interview. We have a son who's at Lutheran High School. Oh, great. And he is in 10th grade. And so, um, dad and mom here are heavily pushing the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. So we are, I'm, I might have to pick your brain on the, the military academy. Oh, sure. Uh, about the process. And look, we've, We've already began the process of talking to the blue and gold officer. Right. I used to work in a, a veteran-owned and operated company, and we, um, we, I worked for a retired rear admiral. So, oh, nice. You know what? I, I, think we're, uh, I think we have an idea of, of how the process works. So it's exciting. I hope he gets in, really. That oh, thank be, you. It'll be life-changing. Yes. Yes, it will be. I mean, West Point is you can do anything once you right. get there. I mean, I, it's just such a... So graduate as an officer. Does he want to serve in the military? Yes, yes. He came home in the sixth grade and said, "I'm going to be an army officer." Cool. We're like, "Well, okay." Okay. 
more power to you. Here's so the 10 steps you need to do to get there. Starting right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a long process. Does but he, does uh, he have any fallback options? He does. He's applied for um, early admission to UNC and UMD. He's applied for the four-year Army ROTC scholarship. Um, it, he wants to go to West Point, but his ultimate goal is to be an Army officer and work in um, security and human intelligence and things like that. He's got a plan. That's awesome. He does have a, he's a man with a plan, that so is for sure. When he's out of the house, like presumably next year, then that's going to be empty nest for you, you and the husband. It is. <laughs> it is. We were talking this morning. It's like, well, hmm, I wonder what we would do today if we didn't have to go to a marching band competition this afternoon. So it, is he in the marching band? He is in the marching band. He's the percussion captain. Oh, that's cool. So, yes. That is cool. And so in addition to being the president of the East Rockville Civic Association, and I that you stepped down because you're running for office? I originally planned to step down because we grew our organization to the point of where it was time to let someone else step up. And one of my goals when we had almost no one to help when I first stepped up as president, and I became president because I was on the nominating committee and could not find anybody to be on the board. Isn't that what usually happens with these organizations where Right. Once you step into it, then you're volunteered for five or six other right. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, where's the time gone? It can it can happen that way, and I I knew that from previous experience in public service and from working for the public school system that there are about eight people who do all the work. So my number one goal when I became president was to build it. Let's build a let's build the bench. And I got to year four or five. We changed, we rewrote our bylaws, so my terms were a little wonky because they changed. Um, but I got to the point where I did what I needed to do, and there were people that if I didn't make space for them in leadership, I was worried we would lose them. So I decided to step down and kind of hang out as immediate past president, let someone else step up and get someone entirely new in as secretary. So that's exactly what we did. We, uh, we they have a wonderful we have a wonderful new president, Deborah Landau, who is ready to take over the reins and is doing an amazing job. We have a brand new person who stepped in as secretary. So now we're even more flush with leadership. And I always operated on the premise that many hands make light work. And you give people meaning th meaningful things to do that they enjoy doing, and they will always help you. So that's what we did. And it took, it took four years, but uh, we managed to do it. Well, it seems to me that uh, civic activism is important to you. You were the vice president of the League of Women Voters in, is it Comal County? Comal County. Comal County in Texas. You were responsible for leading the consensus process topics, including the death penalty and management of the Trinity Aquifer. Right. Well, that's a, that's a mouthful. And you were also the co-leader of the Rio Vista Condition down in Texas as well, and Neighborhood Watch programs, National Night Out programs. So mm -hmm. it seems to me that running for a city council seat and here in this new community for you that you've been part of for the last five, six, uh, six years, mm -hmm. that it seems like a natural succession. It, yes, it does. And I hesitated to run this time because Matthew is still in high school. But um, in many ways, it did feel like the right time. What's that decision like? Is that where you sit down at a table with your family and say, what do you all think? And then 
two thumbs up and you say, okay, I'm going to do this? Um, yes, that was, that was a lot of it. Um, I've had some really pretty amazing people behind me for the last few years saying, you need to run, you need to run. And me saying, uh, let's just finish what we started with East Rockville. Let's finish building that leadership bench. Let's see where we're at the next time. So I think I was a little more surprised than some other people were that I decided to run this time. Uh, there were some people who were like, of course you're running. <laughs> so, <laughs> but my family, getting back to my family, it really was that. It was, where are we at? Can we manage this? Um, is this going to be a fun thing for us to do together? We're pretty tight. The three of us are pretty tight. And, you know, Matt has a strong interest in politics and my husband has a strong interest in me and Matt. So <laughs> it was kind of, let's do it. Let's just do it. It's a finite amount of time for the campaign and a little bit more of a predictable schedule if you are on council. Um, so we, we went for it. What was the moment that you decided that you were going to run? And what was, I guess, the spark? Is it your activism here um, as, a, as a member of the East Rockville Civic Association? Or did you, was there a particular moment in time that you said, okay, I, I have to do this? Uh, we, yes, actually, I'm glad you asked that. We've been going through the process in East Rockville of neighborhood planning, and there's a, a very long, decades-long history about East Rockville and their neighborhood plan and how it was never really implemented back in 2004. Um, so we finally got back to the table with the city, and what happened was they removed Stone Street from our neighborhood plan, and Stone Street was in our plan, the Lincoln Park plan. It had its own plan, so it just completely moved out of the neighborhoods to its own plan. So we got rid of that and worked on that separately. The city helped us build a set of design guidelines that um, are intended to be more inclusive uh, of different kinds of architectural styles so we don't end up very cookie-cutter. And I'm walking home late one night from the pump house where we meet, and it had been a pretty contentious meeting about the design guidelines. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't, I, I, did, did we do the right thing, right? Is this the right thing? And I was so just maybe this whole, whole thing wasn't worth it. People are unhappy. I don't know if it's going to work out. And I get to this corner right before my block, and I hear, I have this neighbor with this huge, she's also from Texas, she's got the huge Texas belly laugh. And I can hear her laughing, and I know where she is. She's about four or five houses down from the corner. And I can hear her all the way to the end of the block, and I can hear, and they have little kids, I can hear all the little ones playing in this backyard. And I can hear all of the all of the parents talking and I'm thinking you know what this is why I'm doing this this is why I'm going to run because I am so inspired by the people of Rockville and the community that we've all built here and I had to remind myself that it's not about the buildings it's about the people you you lead because people need you right and you need them and there are a lot, there's a, so much that we can get done together so I kind of forgot, I had forgotten that, that it's not about zoning, it's not about setbacks, it's not about the roof peak, it's about the people who live in the house. And uh, Mayor Newton had approached me a while back and said, why don't you run with me? And I held off giving her a response, so I called her the next morning. I said, okay, I'll do it. You're part of the forward Rockville. Rockville the forward. Rockville forward. Rockville forward. Mm -hmm. I, I keep 
convincing those up. And you're, there's another team, there's another slate or committee, as right. they say. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's called Team Rockville. So you join the, the current mayor's team. Yes. And you're running alongside uh, Beryl Feinberg, uh, Monique Austin. Ashton. Ashton, sorry. That's okay. And uh, one other person. Quan Lee. Yeah, Quan Lee. And so you, did, you formulated this team that is uh, allied with the mayor and mm-hmm. the current city councilwoman. Tell me a little bit about what distinguishes uh, Rockville Forward compared to Team Rockville. So we get this question all the time. It's a good one because I think it's it helps people make up their mind. Um, we all believe in affordable housing. We all believe that Rockville needs to grow. The mayor and Rockville Forward, we take a little more nuanced approach to it. It's not just housing. Um, Team Rockville tends to focus on build more apartment buildings. We want to make sure that the people who actually live in those apartment buildings have adequate green space, that we're environmentally responsible. Uh, when we build all of these apartments, that we're welcoming people to a community with a social infrastructure, not just warehousing commuters and big buildings on the pike. We want to make sure our schools have enough capacity. And I understand that we don't control the schools, but we do control development and the development that feeds the schools and makes the schools grow. Um, and so I think that's really it. It's that distinguishes us. Our message is more than just affordable housing. It's more than, you know, where put people in, in apartment buildings. It's how will we welcome people? How will we grow? And how will we keep people here? People move here because it is a friendly family kind of environment. You know, one of my friends calls it uh, Mayberry meets Manhattan. And how do we keep that environment while welcoming new neighbors? And that's a, that's a nuanced conversation, and that's a more complex issue. How have you been able to break down the nuance and are you, is the, is your committee versus the other committee, uh, I imagine that they have similar ideas about economic development or how to spur growth in transportation. And maybe we could start with some of the issues. And sure. We'll just break them down. Let's start with some transportation and infrastructure issues that okay. is on the minds of so many right. folks that live all throughout Montgomery County, but speci- specifically Rockville is aligned with the two, right on 270. Right. You get off from 270, you come right down here to Rockville Town Center's Town Square. So where are you on upgrading 270? Do you support or, and do you back the governor's plan or do you have a different idea about widening lanes? I do not support that plan. I do not believe we should widen 270. I think induced demand is a pretty well-known concept for people who are into into it, into city government. Um, this happened on the Katy Freeway in Houston. And I used to drive back and forth through Houston when I was at LSU from San Antonio. They put in, I think, up to 26 lanes, Twenty, it's two do- at least two dozen lanes, and they all filled up. Because people think, well, there's plenty of room, the traffic won't be bad, and so they get in their car and they drive when otherwise maybe they wouldn't have. And it also discourages um, municipalities and states and the federal government from investing in other forms of transportation. So 
What I'd like to see done, and maybe this is a little pie in the sky and very long term, but what I'd like to see is us work with the state to turn some of those highway dollars into block grants for municipalities and counties to work on things like bicycle infrastructure, complete streets that make for safer sidewalks and intersections, uh, and also to WMATA for, for beefing up our, um, our buses and our metros. Do you support a uh, bus rapid transit system? I think, yes, I think that's a really nice idea. And I I was just reading about how buses have become very stigmatized and not enough people ride them. And I think there's some uh, marketing that we could do, a little bit of public education to make them more popular. But I think the bus rapid transit would be a good good thing for us. What about upgrading metro and encouraging people to ride metro versus getting in a car? Yeah, I've, I don't know if you've been to the Rockville or the Twinbrook Metro Station lately. They both need some help. <laughs> so I'm hoping very much. I know the city's been in talks with WMATA about our metro station. So I'm hoping that that, uh, that happens sooner rather than later. It, if it's, they're dark, they're kind of icky for lack of a better term. <laughs> I think if they were a little bit nicer, felt a little bit safer, uh, I think we would have more people riding them. Are you concerned that if 270 is widened, that it's going to impact the city of Rockville even more so with traffic and congestion? I think so. I think people, you know, there's the getting to 270, and I, you know, my husband takes the metro to work, uh, and I drive, sometimes I go around our neighborhood to get to work. Sometimes I come through the middle of the neighborhood to get to work. There's a lot of people heading to 270. You don't just materialize on 270. You have to take surface streets through town to get to it. So I think it will add uh, traffic to our surface streets and make it harder for pedestrians and harder for bicyclists. You have a background in education. I do. So let's talk about that. Okay. So, but first, touch on your career as an educator. Okay. Um, I, I had always wanted to be a teacher. And I was discouraged. My parents said, no, no, you need to go to law school. (laughs) So I got out. I finished undergrad. Did not want to go to law school at all. What did you major in? Uh, I majored in history and psychology. And decided at the last minute not to go to graduate school in psychology. Uh, I felt like I'm 23 years old. I'm just graduating from college. I'm going to go to more college and then get out of school and tell people how to fix all their problems without ever having lived a life. So I decided to put off graduate school and ended up and just decided when the time came, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to teach. And so I went back to school and became a history teacher and geography, history and geography. Wow. So what grades? I taught everything from 8th to 12th grade. Mostly ninth grade, but I did teach the whole range. When I was in high school, I graduated. I, I'm from Western Maryland. I grew up in Hagerstown, in, mm-hmm. actually Williamsport. And I remember the curriculum is probably a little bit different now. But in ninth grade, we had government, and we right. studied all about the Constitution. Mm-hmm. We studied about the co-equal branches of government, all very relevant, and I, I loved it. I flourished in that class. Right. I was so interested in politics. Even back then, we studied the Supreme Court, and then I took AP history my senior year. I, our son right now is in AP government at Wooten. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely love 
loves it. It's a great class. Yeah, and he reads lots and lots of books. Um, so being a history teacher, if I would ever go, if I would ever go to teach, I think I would teach history or some sort of social studies or government. Um, I, there's so many. I, I think students. I want them getting engaged. I really want them to be engaged. That's so important. Oh, engaged, absolutely. Engaged now at a young age in the civic process. Absolutely. So education here in Rockville. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your thoughts on our public schools. Are they up to par to what you think is the standards? Do they need some improvement? And what about capacity issues? So one of the reasons we picked Rockville was for Rockville High School. We thought I, I ended my teaching career, my career in public education in Texas in the assessment office as uh, I my title was instructional strategist, which is kind of a catch-all um, other duties as assigned. But I was doing data analysis and taking it back to teachers and talking to them about what are you teaching and all that kind of thing. So I pulled up the side-by-side for where we were at and for all the schools in Montgomery County. I basically went school cluster by school cluster. And knowing my kid, I knew that Rockville was the right school, the right high school, and that Rollwood was going to be the right middle school for so him. We did, based on the schools. And I don't, I mean, I had access to more data than most people have, but I don't think my decision was based on anything different than most people who've moved here. They come here for the schools. I think most parents, I think when people relocate, they do that often. Absolutely. And I think that happens all over the country, not just here. Well, in in full transparency, that's what we did. Right. We looked and said, okay, Mm -hmm. we want our kids to have the best public education Right. Available. Right. And it's hard to go wrong in Montgomery County. Come, coming from the south, it is really hard to go wrong in Montgomery County. We have some of the very best schools in the nation. We do. And we should be very proud of that. And we need to work to keep it that way. Uh, I think the first, the first thing we need to do is stand up an education commission. And I want to go back to something you, you touched on about getting kids involved. I'd like to see this education commission not only advocate with Montgomery County Schools and, with the, and help with the state for capital improvement funds for our schools, but I'd like to see them do some things locally, like put a, uh, an ex officio member of, of the board on each commission for a student, for a senior or junior in high school, for a Montgomery College student who's interested in government. Let's bring them in early and if they're interested let's show them what local government's all about some of our commissions like planning that kind of thing i'm not sure legally because those are legal entities i don't know if we could do it with them but let's at least make them ex officio on as many commissions as we can and as they're interested and and i think we can also do some work with our early childhood education programs the city of rockville runs a daycare so what can we do with that? Can we bring in a Montessori curriculum? Can we expand it? What can we do with it? We also have after-school care for younger students at Twinbrook and at Lincoln Park, yeah, I, Thomas Farm. My daughter went to a bar program. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Can they do a little bit more with that? And I don't want to burden the staff. I don't want to take on a whole lot of expense. But is there some training that we can send that staff to is there a program we can we can institute that's easy to take on? There's a lot of working parents that oh, yes. they, when, when their child is finished with school for the day or especially or in the morning, mm-hmm. what, what are the options? That's a, it's they, that's huge. a, that's a huge issue. That's a pocketbook issue, too. And that's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of parents who are working 
that simply just can't afford childcare in any sense. Absolutely, and the city programs, uh, and I'll speak from personal experience because we, when we moved, we wanted more. We wanted more opportunity. We wanted a bigger life. My son's fourth grade class picture was 27 little blonde heads. <laughs> and we wanted to see, we wanted him to experience more than what that community had to offer. And it was a wonderful community. I don't mean to be disrespectful to where we came from. But we came, diversity. diversity, exactly. We wanted diversity for him and for us, for our whole family. And so that's, we didn't come here with a lot. We came here on one income. We moved to a very small, modest little house behind Al Carbon over here in East Rockville. And it was a real Hail Mary for our family. And we put Matt at Twinbrook uh, in the afternoons. It was the only thing we could afford. And that was barely. But the city programs are so essential for families like ours who are coming here from someplace else. Granted, there are people coming here from halfway around the world in much more dire circumstances than we did. Uh, but those city services are essential, especially when it comes to our kids. And so that's, that's job one for the Education Commission. Uh, and then the other part is the, looking at the capacity issue and advocating on capacity. And I'll talk a little, I know you probably want a more in-depth answer on that. I'll be right there. <laughs> and then also we need to, um, we need to help out more advocating with this state for capital improvement funds to improve the schools we have to add. I know Richard Montgomery needs an addition um, and to also build new schools where we need them. Like we just got Bayard Rustin online. It's already almost at capacity. So clearly that work, we need to be a better partner in MCPS on that. So for school capacity, it, we need to hold the line on that. In fact, some communities, we're at 120% over capacity, right? We're, our schools can go to that level. And that's an MCPS level. I think as long as MCPS has that level of school capacity that we need to be in line with them. What I'd like to see in the future is working towards a more reasonable school capacity level. And I know that takes a lot of money and a lot of time, but I think it's a worthwhile goal. A lot of communities, even communities in Maryland, have an 80% capacity rate. So as soon as the school is at 80% of capacity, they start taking a hard look at housing development and planning better and more in advance for her housing development. I don't want to see development completely shut down in Rockville. At, nobody wants to see that, or very few people want to see that. But we need to really take a hard look at that. If people are moving here for the schools, if businesses are locating here because they know they can get a quality workforce because people want to live here because of the schools, are we going to start chasing people off because our schools are too overcrowded? Our schools are um, bursting at the seams kids are in portables, that whole thing. So are we gonna lose people over that? I think that's a really good question that we need to ask ourselves. That's, uh, now we can move into a segue, I wanna segue over to not high schools, but senior citizens. Again. Okay. This is an important opportunity to mention a sponsor. Um, and I am sure that you are familiar with companies that help people aging, people who are aging, to stay within their homes. and. There's a great company located here in Montgomery County called Care Plus Home Health, and they provide services and caregivers to come in and help families to stay inside of their home, and they can 
help with personal care, bathing and threshing, and they do grooming, and they're Alzheimer's and Parkinson's specialists. And you can check them out online at careplusinc.com and pick up the phone and call them if your mom or dad might need some extra care at 301-740-8870. That's Care Plus Home Health. And again, check them out on the web at careplusinc.com. Senior citizens. Yes. There is a terrific place called the Rockville Senior Center. Oh, yes, there is. Tell me. Tell me about some of the services that senior citizens here in Rockville are afforded. And what can we do to expand? My grandparents are 94 and 87, respectively. And they live in Hagerstown, and God love them. I wish they would get out more than they do, but they're content with staying at home most of their time. Uh, But maybe if they had some engagement, they would be able to get out. And They live in a rural area, but nevertheless, Rockville offers so many different unique programs for seniors. They do, and I think one thing I love about going to the senior center is that the people who go there, and I don't go there as a guest, I go, I mean, I go there as a guest, not as a member. Um, uh, no, no, not yet, not yet. I've got a few years, but uh, they love their senior center. They love the services. They love the woodworking shop and the lunches and the classes and the gym. It's, it's a wonderful place, and I want to make sure that it stays that way. But we have, the last I heard, under 10% of Rockville seniors take part in that. Um, I'd like to see some satellite senior centers. I'd love to see one, a pop-up senior center in Town Square. I would love, and maybe they share it after school with kids so we get some intergenerational. um, Wouldn't that be cool? I know the kids from Richard Montgomery really, I see a lot of them in Town Square after school. I know they like to do that. Living in East Rockville, a lot of my son's friends will come and uh, they'll park at our house or they'll their parents will drop them off and they'll walk over to town center so it's it's also rhs kids too not just rm kids but that might be something interesting to to look into and i think we need to go where the people are um we need a pop-up senior center or satellite senior center on the east side uh the pump house in my neighborhood used to be the senior center it's hard to believe because it's so small but uh, it did. It'd be nice if one or two days a week that some of the senior center activities were at the pump house. And same thing with Twinbrook. I know there are some things. There is a senior center staff person that goes to Twinbrook a couple of days a week. Um, I'm not quite sure what the activities are, but I know there is some of that being explored. But if it's not enough to interest people, people won't come use it. So I'd like to see that expanded. Okay. So moving on, there's a big controversy still about the golf course oh yeah yeah what do you what do you think about all that so i'm talking about the red game yeah red game of course Right. Well, that's okay. It's always good to be specific. Uh, this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity that we have, and I, my goal for that space is to leave it primarily green. Park space, active and passive. Um, I'd, we have, there has been some talk of partnering with the VA for an old soldier. We call it the old, my husband's 82nd Airborne, so we call it the old soldier's home. I know that's not the proper term, old soldier's home, but um, that's what they call it. And so there's talk of that. I think that would be a wonderful partnership. I believe they're asking for about 25 acres. And with 144, I'd be happy to have them on 25 of it with the rest as a public space, public green space. Yeah. 
you've been out knocking doors, talking to lots yeah. of voters. I'm sure you've knocked on thousands of doors so far. And mm-hmm. I know other candidates have worn out some shoes. Yes. <laughs> what are you hearing from voters when you are knocking at their door, introducing yourself? What are some of their concerns? The most surprising one, and in fact, one of the first doors I knocked on way back in July. I know you know what I'm going to say, I right? Think I know what you're going to say. Okay. And it's a four-legged. It's a four-legged. Problem. It is. <laughs> it's the deer. The deer. And I, I really think I stared at this person for a moment too long before I said anything. I was unprepared for that. Um, you're like, hey, I'm from Texas. This I. A bit we don't. <laughs> I did not say that. Uh, I, we are, so here's the thing. We need an urban wildlife management plan. We, I know we've gone out, and I, I, believe, I believe it's going to happen sooner rather than later. We've gone out and, and gotten some proposals for deer culling. The problem with culling only is that... For people who don't know what oh, it is, what is that? It is, it is hunting. It is hunting deer. It is uh, taking the life of the deer. Is it archery? Uh, in, in this situation, it would have to be because yeah. we're too tight. We're too dense. Yeah, I can't see somebody firing off a 30 odd six in the middle of oh, a field. Oh, absolutely not. And for full transparency, my husband does bow hunt occasionally. And um, as a he, he quit hunting with a, a gun, I don't know what you said, a 30 odd six, with a rifle. He quit hunting with a rifle mm-hmm. because as a former army sharpshooter it was not very sportsmanlike so he only hunts with a bow and arrow and not all the time and he's also uh, a bow hunting instructor or he was in texas mm-hmm. he doesn't do it here but he was a bow hunting so i just want to make that very clear because i don't want someone to like say hey i talked to dave Pittman. he's he's a hunter and she's a crazy person that's so not i just want to make sure that's out there wildlife management is really important and if you call too many deer more come Animals are are pretty amazing. They're they're sentient. They're I don't know how they do it, but they know when there aren't enough of them. So if we're not careful, we're going to regrow that herd pretty fast. And deer aren't our only problem. We had a mangy coyote in um, uh, East Rockville that just lit people up. I knew what it was because we we lived in a, a smallish town and we kind of lived away from town and so we had a big we had chickens and a big garden and all that and plenty of wildlife. So uh, when I was joking about it being the chupacabra, nobody thought that was very funny. Like it's like this is things going to eat our pets and our two year old. It wasn't, but it people don't know. And if we have unhealthy animals coming into the city, that's not healthy for us or for the animal. So it's more than just the deer. We need a comprehensive wildlife management plan, like other cities our size have, um, to take care of the deer population, but also to take care of the raccoons and the possums and the rabbits and the mangy coyotes and the foxes and everything else that comes out of Rock Creek. What about this idea of, <laughs> of birth control? And I'm not laughing. No, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, but my understanding and looking into it, it's quite expensive. It's really expensive. Is that something that the city council could afford or would choose to go? I I, I mean, it's it's quite a hefty price tag. It is a hefty price tag, and it's not permanent. You have to, it's a, it is a recurring cost, and I don't know that our budget can take that kind of a hit. Um, 
I, I think we're going to have to look at other measures. Susan, let me ask you about the state of the city's finances. Are, are you comfortable with the, the current budget? Are you comfortable with the value of services that Rockville citizens uh, are they receive based on their tax rates? And what do you, how do you rank uh, the, the city of Rockville's current fiscal status? I think we're doing a pretty good job, honestly. I think our services are, are pretty amazing here. Um, and services, not just the ones we have to have, but the ones we love to have, you know, our recreation and parks, uh, the events that they put on, everything, everything's really good here. And you call something in and they, they take care of it almost immediately. We don't have a problem with, with the trash not being picked up. We don't have issues with um, uh, animal control. We don't have, you know, we just, other than the deer, but animal control as far as like pets and things like that. We don't have those issues here. Um, we don't control the rest of the world, right? We only control our 13 miles. And I, my big concern as far as our budget goes and far as our, our um, finances go is what is happening on the outside of us. And are we ready for that? Are we prepared for that? That would be my only concern and question is how far in the long term have we prepared and planned? Do you think there should be a reserve fund um, based on the resources that people have? We should. And I, I believe we have one. Yeah. But I mean, it, what percentage would you say? Oh, what percentage? Wow. You know what? I need to think about that one. Fair enough. That's, that's a really good question. And Let me ask you this question. There has been some contention Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years um, and the other team has come out strongly in opposition to one of your committee members, Bridget Newton, who is the current mayor. How do you think that the mayor has, has performed as mayor um, in the last couple of years? I can tell you from my experience as a neighborhood uh, leader, as a civic association leader, and East Rockville is We've got the third, I believe it's the third busiest bus stop on the metro, on the red line. We have a metro station right in our neighborhood. It's a, it's a hot happening place in East Rockville. So I, I was very busy as president of the East Rockville Civic Association. Every time I emailed mayor and council at rockvillemd.gov, she responded to me. She's the only one that responded every single time I had a question or a problem or needed help. Um, Does that matter to you? I mean, responsiveness in your elected officials, I think that's A1A. That's uh -huh. first thing on the list. I would imagine so, that if you have a concern or an issue, you have four city council members. Right. You'd want a response. I would want to response. I would think, well, you know, no, there's a reasonable a, reasonable person standard. 24 to 48 hours. Sure. That to me would be immediate. Sure. Right, right, exactly. But to get no response mm -hmm. from some of the it council members, it did bother me. It bothered me that she's got all these other, you know, I'm not the only civic association president in town. So if we're all emailing mayor and council at rockvillemd.gov, is she respond? Is she the only one responding to everybody? That's That seems a little unfair to me from her point of view. From my point of view, she was the only person I could get to help me make things happen. And I think when you live in a neighborhood that has kind of been neglected and not taken very seriously and whose neighborhood plan was never enacted, so you have all this crazy architecture going up, and I use the term architecture loosely, 
these structures that went up that were not just out of character, but out of, like, I don't even know how they got built. I don't know how they got permitted. When one person responds to you, that person, I think, is working pretty hard for the people of Rockville. Um, I've always appreciated how open she is to other ideas. She and I don't agree on everything, but I, she listens. She really listens, and she's willing to bend. She's willing to compromise. She's willing to say, well, I wouldn't want that, I wouldn't want that in my neighborhood, but if East Rockville is good with it, then let's do it. Um, she's incredibly professional. And uh, she's got quite a laundry list of accomplishments while she's been in office as well. With, okay. So, so wrapping up, um, I am wondering: Can you make your final pitch? Or show you? Sure, sure. Um, Rockville's got a lot on its plate. We are facing. We want to make sure that we stay the welcoming, caring city that we are. We welcome all comers. We care about the people who are here. We care about who's coming, who will be here in the future. And that takes a willingness to compromise. It takes a willingness to listen. It takes a willingness to say, I recognize that your needs might be different than mine, so I'm going to work towards making meeting your needs and your aspirations. And it takes the ability to walk into a room with four other people shut the door and make the make what needs to happen for Rockville happen and then be very transparent about how you came to your decisions and about why things are happening the way they're happening and that is something I have a lot of experience with I have a lot of experience in consensus building with saying you know what you have a tremendous idea I'm going to give you all the credit for it and I'm going to help you make it happen and I think that's kind of what's lacking right now. Rockville is kind of treading water, and we need to move forward. Susan Pittman running for Rockville City Council. The website is Susan, that's S-U-Z-A-N, for Rockville.com. I really appreciate your time on this Saturday afternoon when you could be out knocking doors. And uh, I really uh, hope that uh, we see some positive action. I'm sure we will. And thanks for doing this. I did your first podcast. Yeah, bad, right? thanks, Ryan. Not too, not painful at all. Thanks so much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Uh-huh. Bye. Thank you for listening to a Minor Detail podcast. Remember to call Care Plus Home Health today at 301-740-8870. Discover how they can help mom and dad or an aging family member live safer and healthy inside their home.